When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds team matchup in You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. This is Lock It In, a sports betting show, part of the Believe Podcast Network. And now. Here's your host, Cam Rogers. And welcome into Lock It In with Cam Rogers right here on Believe. I am Cam Rogers. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are presented by... Bet online, jam-packed program as always. I will preview Thursday night football, Eagles and Texans. Ed Smith, former NFL tight end and professional baseball player, will join me and break down the National Football League so far this year. My week nine NFL predictions coming off an 11 and four week. Let's carry that momentum here into week nine and then later in the show some pga tour best bets for the worldwide technology championship at mayakoba all of that right here on lock it in with cam rogers let's get to my thursday night football prediction eagles texans in houston the texans are obviously home dogs here plus 13 and a half and thursday night football traditionally has been a stinker so far this year. And I think this might be some of the same. The Texans stink, number one. The Eagles could be in trap mode, if you will, trap game territory here as they take on 
perhaps the worst football team in the National Football League. Davis Mills has really regressed this season. He was a lot better last year. The question becomes, is this number coverable for Houston? Can they cover that plus 13 and a half? Houston ranks 31st in opponent yards per carry. The Eagles sport an elite offensive line. So I think the Eagles will run the football effectively. But I do think the Texans will too. And that will speed up the game a little bit here. Thursday night games typically are a bit wonky, if you will. So I do think Houston actually covers this number. Again, Eagles in trap game territory. Maybe they're not paying attention to this one as much. And so they let their guard down. Houston hangs in there. You know, Houston has been pretty competitive so far this year. They were right there with the Titans a week ago. So Texans cover plus 13 and a half. Eagles win outright. All right, my Thursday night football preview right here on Lock It In. Coming up next, former NFL tight end Ed Smith will talk about the National Football League. Coming up right here on Lock It In. Joining Lock It In is former pro baseball player and NFL tight end Ed Smith. He hosts, of course, the Believe in the Arizona Cardinals podcast right here on Believe. I know Ed very well. Great guy. Awesome guy. Great to have you on the show. Hey, Cam, one of my favorite people, man, and just always enjoy our interaction, whether it's through show or fantasy football or whatever we're doing. That's one right. of my, like I said, one of my favorites, man. Great to be on with you. And you've been a busy man all football season long, of course. So we appreciate you jumping on the program. And let's start with those Cardinals here, Ed. I mean, I've listened to your interviews, your show many times. You're very level-headed as far as your assessment with this team. And I would say it's been a curious season so far. What are your impressions? Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I like the fact that you point out that I'm level-headed because a lot of time hosts or, you know, uh, the, the, the media, we fall in love and we got to support – I'm trying to keep it real when it comes to these Cardinals and I have since day one and I applaud them when they do well. And I, when things aren't going so well, I try to analyze that and be fair at the same time. And it's been one of those seasons cam where from the very beginning, I was, you know, from the off season on, you know, how they went through training camp. I was just like, this team just does not look like it's right from coaching from player standpoint, from our quarterback, he's supposed to be a leader. Mm -hmm. You know, we start out with the, you know, uh, how DeAndre Hopkins be suspended for the first six, all these things, you put them into the pot and you start mixing in ingredients. And I was like, man, I don't know if this is going to be a great season, you know, and thus far, I think I've been pretty uh, on as far as what I've seen so far, uh, very non-inspired on the field and coaching wise as well. And three and five, man, I would actually say we're lucky to be three and five at this time. Now it's not too early, too late to turn it around, especially in this division, because nobody's playing well other than the surprising Seattle Seahawks. But, I, you know, right now, three and five, man, we're lucky to be there. And I'm not sure how much better it's going to get, especially with some of the games coming up on the schedule. We'll get there with those Seahawks because they have been a story, no doubt about it. But back to Kyler here. Of course, Ed, he got the fat contract, and I would love your player perspective here. Is it easy to get a little, as you say, fat and happy after a big contract like that, maybe a little complacent? Are we seeing that a little bit, or what's going on with Kyler in general here? Because the play has not been, shall we say, elite so far yeah. this season. You know, I, uh, Cam, I wish I could say from experience, you know, getting fat like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, obviously, we just look from the outside in. 
Um, I am very disappointed in Kyler from start to finish to this point, you know, how he handled the early scrubbing of social media, put it back on. Then once he got the contract, even then, you know, once they settled everything, I still haven't seen a player that's inspired. Like, you know, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to lead these guys. I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm putting my stamp on this. He's been very nonchalant. He's been very finger pointery, I guess, uh, you know, I'm making up my own words here, but <laughs> everything seems to be somebody else's fault. Uh, we've also seen him, you know, hollering at his head coach from the, you know, from the field. These are attributes of a young man who I think everything's always come so easy to him. He's now got this contract uh, and who knows, I'm not sure if he's fat, but he's definitely not living up to it. And one of the things that's surprising to me is just how, you know, you know, he's not even using all the tools in his toolbox, meaning running the football to, you know, extend uh, drives, to do different things. You would almost say like, well, he's got the contract. You could almost say he's got the contract. Now he's not going to put himself out there in harm's way because it just seems that nothing he's done to this point has kind of matched what we thought he was going to be, you know. And I'm telling you, man, it's just one of those situations where I think it's going to get even a lot uglier before it gets better because, like I said, now that he's paid, it's, you know, what, what can you tell me now? Because, you know, he almost feels like he's running this organization. And with him arguing and some of the things back and forth with Kingsbury in the media, it almost looks like he's feeling himself right now. And that's a very dangerous spot to be for a young man who really, if you think about it, hasn't proven, you know, he's in that elite crowd yet. We love to talk about rankings a lot, Ed. And so as far as quarterback rankings are concerned, where we stand right now, where is Kyler at? Because of his ability, Cam, you always have to rank him a little higher than his performance. Because, you know, you look at his potential, he could break out of this and do things like, you know, we saw that 20, almost, you know, 16, 17 second play against the Raiders a few weeks ago. And it's like, who else on this planet could do that? And you're like, maybe one two other guys, you know, Lamar Jackson and maybe on a great day, uh, you know, a um, Josh Allen or somebody like that. So we always know the ability there is there. The leadership qualities, man, I'm telling you, I've always questioned those. And that's why for me, I have him ranked a little lower in that second tier of quarterbacks, even as far back, you know, a lot of people have him in, in the top 10. I'd have him closer to 15, to be honest with you, just because of the lack of leadership qualities and then his, uh, you know, his sometime poutiness and different things. And I would even call it uncoachability. Those things go a long way when you're talking about all the ingredients that a quarterback needs to be successful and when not just win games, but inspire others in the locker room. I guarantee you that locker room is pretty splintered because of some of his actions and words and different things. And that's not what you want. You got to, you know, I played for some quarterbacks, man, that if they told me to go, slap my mama, I would second guess it, you know, like, did he really just ask me to do that? And I would almost go do it just because I rode that hard with them. You know, I never slapped my mama though, but you know, <laughs> I, but for Kyler, I guarantee those guys that listen to him and almost turn tune him out because they see he's not quite that great a leader. And for that reason, like I said, that's why I don't have him in my top tier. Well, you mentioned that the Cardinals are three and five, and I would say the NFC West is still very much wide open so with that, Ed, I mean, what percent chance do you give these Cardinals to actually make the playoffs here? Can they go on a run? I don't see a run coming, Cam, because I don't see them making steps toward the positive. You know, it seems like, you know, I don't think we we still haven't won two games in a row mm-hmm. in the season. Obviously, three and five 
is very subpar for what this team or where this team thought it would be. I'm seeing a lack of performance on the field, also a lack of coaching by Kingsbury. We can't let him off of the uh, hook in terms of lack of, you know, preparedness. We're, I think in the first quarter, uh, you know, six, no, seven games, no, no, eight games. And now Cam, we've scored a total of six points in the first quarter. And obviously we've done better in second halves, uh, but you can't fall behind in these games and then expect to come, you know, everything to magically trans, you know, transpire later in the games. So that's always going to be a bugaboo for this team along with, I just don't think Kingsbury is quite there in terms of in-game adjustments, uh, game plan itself. Uh, it seems like he's making decisions between that 40 seconds of this play and that play. And I always talk about for head coaches, you got to be two or three scenarios ahead of that clock, meaning you got the next play ready to call for three or four different scenarios. If we gain 10 yards, if we lose 10 yards, if we have a penalty, if we get a sack, if there's a, you know, whatever it is, you got your trick plays ready for this specific, uh, uh, you know, time in the game. He seems like he's looking at that play sheet and still just trying to figure it out as the clock right. is. And if you notice, we have a lot of time unused timeouts unused for just, you're like, what the heck? We just, there's no reason for a timeout there because he's like, I say, he's still trying to figure it out with that combined with Kyler Murray's play, our defense really not ranked that high in terms of stopping anybody. All those factors, like I said, if we were playing great on one side of the ball or something could carry us, I'd say, well, you know, we have an opportunity. It looks like we could turn this around. The fact that nothing seems like it's working or, you know, spinning all on all great cylinders, that's the reason that I don't think this team is playoff bound, even though this division, you would think, wow, the, the leader of the Seahawks, the Rams playing the way they are, 49ers still trying to figure it out. You would think we'd have a chance, but in my opinion, we might up end up at the bottom of this division rather than closer to the top. And who would have thought that? I mean, you would have thought the Seahawks would be the team with like four wins by the time this season ends, Ed. And here we are with Geno Smith playing like a top 10 quarterback. Kenneth Walker playing fantastic at the running back position. Opportunistic defense. Pete Carroll, one of the best coaches in the NFL. What do you make of these Seahawks? Man, you talk about a surprise. You know, we did our preseason predictions and everybody had the Seahawks you know, with their quarterback situation, Russell moving on, and then you had to choose between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. It was like, right. Ugh. you know, so the and, and this, along with the fact, uh, Cam, they're, Geno and that team is, are doing it with their offense, defense ranked toward the bottom of just about every category, mm -hmm. you know, giving up touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns, you know, total yards, you run down the list of, you know, they're ranked 25th or, or lower in everything, yet this offense is carrying them which if you would have told me, well, uh, somehow the uh, Seahawks made it to five and three, I would, I would have said, man, that defense must be balling out. Certainly the story in the NFL so far this year and that home field advantage is very much a thing up there in Seattle. So we'll see what happens across the NFL as we go here. This playoff push is coming. Ed Smith joining Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Follow him on Twitter at Ed Smith Speaks, host of Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Ed, appreciate the time, sir. Always great to be on with you, Cam. Keep up the great work, man. Welcome back to Lock It In with Cam Rogers right here on Believe. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 99 and on Instagram at Mr. Rogers 98. NFL Week 9 predictions coming off an 11 and 4 week, 71, 51, and 1 straight up. 
59 and 64 against the spread, slowly but surely getting close to 500 here, ATS. So let's get to it. Colts, Patriots. The Patriots are laying five and a half in this one. Bill Belichick feasts on young, inexperienced quarterbacks. Insert Sam Ellinger starting at quarterback for the Colts. The Colts are one and eight straight up. In their last nine games against the Patriots, the Patriots are four and one ATS in their last five games. Jonathan Taylor has been a real mystery at the running back position so far this year. He has really yet to get going ever since that week one performance. So we'll see what happens there. And of course, the Colts just traded Naheem Hines. So now they bring in Zach Moss from Buffalo. We'll see if he is caught up with the playbook by the time this game actually kicks off. But here's the deal. I expect the Patriots to stack the box, dare Sam Ellinger to throw the rock all over the field in Foxborough. That's a bad formula. I think the Patriots cover here minus five and a half. Bills and Jets. This one in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The Jets are getting 13 points at home, and they are starting to get exposed. No Brees Hall. Zach Wilson is not good right now. So what is their identity? Not much on the offensive side. And here comes perhaps the best football team in the National Football League. The favorite in this matchup is 4-1 and one ATS in their last five matchups. The Bills have the best pressure rate in the National Football League while having the lowest blitz rate. That is a formula for a Super Bowl victory this year, especially when you look at Josh Allen on the other side. So I think the Bills have no problem here. They cover minus 13. It's tough to lay that number in an NFL game, but these are the Bills and these are the Jets. The Jets are not good. Do not be fooled by their five and three record here. Bills take care of business. Bills cover. Dolphins and Bears. The Bears are getting five at home in this matchup. Credit to the Bears because all of a sudden they have some life on the offensive side. Justin Fields is playing better. That offensive line is run blocking effectively. And I think the run game has been pretty good as well overall. So the fish have not been good against the number lately. One and four ATS in their last five games. Much of that has to do with their defense ranking 26th in opponent yards per play and 25th in opponent points per play. So for the Bears, you're sort of licking your lips a little bit here because I think they will move the ball effectively. So for them to cover plus five, I really think is in the realm of possibility here. I'm not going to go in that direction. I think Miami is too explosive here, and I think they cover that minus five number. I don't feel great about it, though. Vikings and Commanders. The Commanders are plus three and a half underdogs here at home. The Vikings now have TJ Hawkinson at the tight end position. We'll see if he is caught up with the playbook by the time this game actually comes about. How good are the Vikings truly? Because I think they're on the territory of being fraudulent at six and one. Their best win is against a three and five Packers squad, a team that probably won't even make the playoffs. Their defense allows the fourth most passing yards per game and the second most yards per attempt. 
And the one thing we know about Taylor Heineke at the quarterback position for the commanders is that he's gritty and he brings a different sense of athleticism to this offense as compared to Carson Wentz, who does not. So with that, I actually think the commanders forget about plus three and a half. Win this game outright at home. I know there are a lot of rumors right now with Dan Snyder, perhaps looking into selling the team and what have you, but I think the commanders are a gritty squad. They get it done outright. They beat the Vikings at home. Packers and Lions. The Lions are getting three points at home in this matchup. No longer with TJ Hawkinson at the tight end position, of course, recently firing their secondary coach as well. So a lot of changes are happening in the Motor City right now. As for the Packers, they're desperate. They need this one. They're three and five coming off a loss. Can they get it done against a rival that they have owned continually over the years? I would say yes. I don't think this game needs a lot of analysis. The Packers own the Lions straight up. That's the deal. Packers cover minus three. No problem. Aaron Rodgers gets it done. But I still have concerns about these Packers, especially on the defensive side, and especially because they did not make a move for a wide receiver at all during the trade deadline. They needed one. They didn't get one. Regardless, Packers cover minus three in this matchup. The Chargers and the Falcons. The Falcons are home dogs, plus three in this matchup. Here we go. Time for the Chargers to flounder, as they always do during this time of the year. Their coaching stinks. Their run defense is historically bad, allowing 5.7 yards per carry this year, the worst in the National Football League. This is a major mismatch in favor of Atlanta in the sense that the Falcons love to run the football and the Chargers can't stop the run. Did they fix some things during the bye week? Possibly. But if you can't stop the run, that's typically because you're not big enough in the front seven. So you can't schematically mask that. And for Atlanta, listen, they're finding ways to win games Maybe not pretty all of the time, but here's the deal. They control their own destiny for the NFC South crown. They know that. They're home underdogs. They can relish in that moment. Plus, the Chargers won't have Mike Williams at the wide receiver position. And how can you trust Keenan Allen, given his injury history and how hamstrings can be finicky at times, right? They can flare up at a given moment. So, I think the Falcons throw away the three points, win this game outright over the Chargers. I'm sick and tired of the Chargers getting all of this offseason hype. Oh my gosh, they're going to do it. They're going to surpass Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. No, they're not. They need better coaching. And honestly, I feel bad for Justin Herbert because he's one of the elite passers in the NFL and this team is not utilizing him correctly. So. With that, Falcons get it done at home outright. Panthers and Bengals. The Bengals are laying seven and a half at home. I will be the one to say this. P.J. Walker is an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield may never start at quarterback in the NFL ever again unless there's an injury. So I think he's a lifetime backup at this point. 
The Panthers are moving the ball better with P.J. Walker. And D.J. Moore finally looks like the elite wide receiver that I think he can be because of P.J. Walker. So I like what the Panthers are doing right now. They're competitive. They probably should have won last week against the Falcons. And then you have the Bengals, who I just think are frauds. The Cincinnati Bengals are fraudulent. They can't beat Jacoby Brissett and the Browns. You've lost to the Browns, Bengals, five straight times. That is bad. And that's on the coaching. So, listen, I think the Super Bowl runner-up hangover is real. The Bengals can't win on the line of scrimmage. There's no resetting of the line of scrimmage with this offensive line. Well, they're resetting it negatively. They're moving backward on every play. And poor Joe Mixon has nowhere to run. No Jamar Chase either at the wide receiver position. He's still out with injury. The Bengals looked pathetic on Monday Night Football. And now they're coming off a short week, taking on a gritty Panthers squad that I think wins outright. They beat the Bengals on the road. P.J. Walker gets it done. Steve Wilkes is fantastic as a coach. Maybe the new head coach officially for the Panthers after this season is over. Panthers stun the Bengals. Raiders and Jaguars. The Jaguars are slight underdogs here, plus one and a half at home. The Raiders have proven they cannot win outside of Las Vegas. They are winless so far this year. And here comes another trip out east. The defense is obviously the main issue. The offensive line is pathetic, too. It's like Swiss cheese right now. Poor Derek Carr has no time whatsoever. But in terms of the defense for Las Vegas, 27th in opponent yards per pass attempt, 30th in opponent completion percentage, 32nd in sack percentage, no pass rush at all, 29th in opponent third down conversion rate, 31st in opponent red zone touchdown percentage. When I give you that information, how can you possibly go with Las Vegas here? The Jaguars are at least competent on defense and play better at home. I expect plenty of Travis Etienne in this one. So give me the Jaguars to win this game outright. Seahawks and Cardinals. The Cardinals are laying two points for whatever reason. I really don't know why. Seattle is going to win this game outright. Arizona is 0-5 ATS in its last five games within the NFC West. Seattle is 6-2-1 ATS in its last nine games in Arizona. The Cardinals have no offensive identity. I don't understand what they're trying to do on that side of the ball. The defense is just average. How can you go with the Cardinals in this football game when you have Geno Smith playing like a top six quarterback, Kenneth Walker the third? playing like a top 10 running back in the National Football League and a defense that is opportunistic. So I'm going Seattle to get it done outright on the money line. Thanks to my friends at Alloy for that prediction. There's just no reason for me to go with Arizona. And then there's this. Oddly enough, the Cardinals are worse at home. I expect there to be a lot more Seattle Seahawks fans in this stadium than Arizona Cardinals fans.
So give me the Seahawks to get it done on the money line. Los Angeles Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are laying three in this one. Interesting matchup here. Both of these teams have severely disappointed as far as preseason expectations are concerned. Both teams have been horrible against the number. The Bucs are 0-6 ATS in their last six games. The Rams are 2-7 ATS in their last nine games. The advantage here, and I say advantage loosely, would be the Bucks' defensive line against the Rams' offensive line, which is downright horrible. So the Rams' defense, all things considered, not great. The Bucks' defense at least has some promise there. So the issue with the Rams, similarly to the Bengals, they can't reset the line of scrimmage. They can't run the football. There's something going on with Cam Akers. They didn't trade him. I thought they would. They're trying to work things out there. And they don't really have enough talent at running back here to really make some noise. I think the Bucs win the line of scrimmage. They win this football game outright. But I actually do see the Rams covering this three number. So listen, I think it's going to be a field goal fest. And when that happens, you see those two-point victories, those one-point victories. So Rams cover, Bucks win outright. Titans and Chiefs on Sunday night football. The Chiefs are laying 12 and a half points in this one. You would think the Titans would have at least five losses given this spread, but they actually have five wins. Five and two, by the way, ATS so far this year. Kansas City is four and 10 ATS in its last 14 games as a favorite of seven or more points. That's not good. And it's officially Derrick Henry season. He just dominated the Texans for 219 yards and two touchdowns. And he is a big reason why I'm picking the Titans to cover in this matchup. He can slow the game down, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines, and then slowly but surely that number becomes easier to cover if you are the Titans. That number is too big for me. So I think the Titans cover plus 12 and a half, regardless of who plays at the quarterback position, but the Chiefs do win this game outright. Ravens and Saints on Monday night football. The Saints are getting two and a half at home in this one. Baltimore got a solid victory on Thursday night football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off that Thursday night, of course, gives them that mini buy here. Roquan Smith coming on over from Chicago to Baltimore will be a major addition for the middle of that defense. They have been lacking there. The Ravens have so far this year. Josh Bynes has been in and out of the lineup. So I think Roquan Smith provides a lot of stability there at middle linebacker. And no one really scares you on the Saints offense outside of Alvin Kamara. The wide receiver position has been lacking for the Saints. Their offensive line is just okay. But the defense also is just downright bad. I don't care that the Raiders scored zero points against them. This is not a good defense, and they're very inconsistent. So I think the Baltimore Ravens get this one done. They cover minus two and a half. They have no problem in this matchup. 
There you go, my NFL Week 9 predictions. Coming off an 11-4 and four week, folks, I'm feeling pretty good here. I think that the winning records will continue as we move along here this NFL season. Speaking of this NFL season, we just had the NFL trade deadline earlier this week. I have some winners. I have some losers. Let's start with the losers, and we'll start with the Detroit Lions, who have been losing all season long. And they were on hard knocks. Everybody was talking about them. You know, Dan Campbell, his cool coaching style, rough around the edges, salt of the earth. And the Lions have one victory to show for it so far this season. Then they trade away TJ Hawkinson for whatever reason. Yes, I know you're playing for next year and you want draft picks. This was a first-round talent who certainly wasn't the reason why you're losing football games. The reason is that defense, again, I understand the logic, stack up on picks, improve the defense that way. But at some point, you have to look internally about who you're drafting and who's making those decisions. So maybe it's Dan Campbell's fault. That is a real question. Will he be fired this year if the Lions continue to lose? Could he be looking for a job by the time January comes around? So for the Lions, who, by the way, have been pretty competent on the offensive side so far this year, just lost a big-time weapon for Jared Goff. By the way, I don't think Jared Goff is the answer for Detroit at the quarterback position, they're going to have to make a change there as well. The Lions are loser number one. Number two, Brandon Cooks. I don't think he wants to stay in Houston. Tweeted out a cryptic message there about perhaps wanting to be somewhere else. I don't know. He was very much part of the trade conversation. And he stays put. So you have to wonder if the Texans were asking for too much or they weren't getting enough for Brandon Cooks, who I think is a really good high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one in the National Football League. He's not going to wow you in the red zone or anything like that, but he is a reliable receiver. And we saw that last year, especially toward the end, where Davis Mills was a better quarterback. Right now, he's not a good quarterback. So I think Brandon Cooks knows that. And he wants to be on a winning football team. Of course, every player wants that. But Brandon Cooks, who again was very much of the trade conversation, is a loser. He could have gone to Green Bay. He could have gone to Baltimore. Some of these playoff teams who need a wide receiver 
I almost wonder if Denver looked into him. Because, of course, the Broncos played the Texans this year. They got a look at Brandon Cooks in live action. Brandon Cooks, a trade deadline loser. Green Bay Packers, speaking of which, 3-5, and five, desperate, did not make a move for a wide receiver. They are a trade deadline loser. So I guess Green Bay thinks they can make the playoffs with Romeo Dobbs as their number one wide receiver. And that's just not a reality, I don't think. I know the logic was going into this year, oh, we will rely on A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones. But the reality is, at some point, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to throw the football to somebody. And nobody has stepped up. We thought maybe Alan Lazard was going to be that guy. That's not the case. And so you have to wonder at three and five, if leadership at Green Bay thinks they won't make the playoffs. If they lose to the Lions this week, they certainly will not. They will be three and six. And that's too deep of a hole to dig themselves out of. So Green Bay a loser at the NFL trade deadline. So Lions, Brandon Cooks, Packers. The winners, though, let's get positive here. Winner number one, the Jaguars. Trading for Calvin Ridley, of course, suspended this year. He will be back next year, but a top 10 wide receiver in the National Football League. So he will be with Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, James Robinson, Trevor Lawrence, you're starting to see a pretty good offensive nucleus here for Jacksonville. Now, there's some rumblings out there about whether Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I still think he is. Let's cut him some slack a little bit. Sophomore year. And there's plenty of time for him to improve this season. So I think the Jaguars are on the up and up. The Colts are on the down and down. I think the Titans are slightly on the down, even though they're winning football games right now. But I think this soon will be Jacksonville's division, talking about the AFC South. So Jaguars, big winners. Vikings, big winners. Acquiring TJ Hawkinson at the tight end position. Adding to this really good offense for Minnesota, headlined by Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and all of the credit in the world to Kirk Cousins, who seems to not really get the recognition he deserves at times, even though statistically he's been fantastic. So the Vikings, with only one loss so far this year, also I think they could be fraudulent, but got a lot better after acquiring TJ Hawkinson. By the way, I did not mention this, but Detroit traded within the division. I don't get that at all. Another winner, Pittsburgh Steelers. Trading away Chase Claypool and getting some draft capital out of it. I think this was a win-win for the Steelers and the Chicago Bears. The Bears are playing for next year. The Steelers are too, but I think they have too many wide receivers right now. You've got George Pickens. You've got Deontay Johnson. 
You can build around those guys with Kenny Pickett. So get some draft capital out of it. So for the Steelers, good move by them. They are another winner here at the NFL trade deadline. So to recap, Jaguars, Vikings, Steelers, they are winners, losers. Lions, Brandon Cooks, poor Brandon Cooks. I feel for him. And the Green Bay Packers. What a wild NFL trade deadline period it was. By the way, the 49ers acquiring Christian McCaffrey, that's working out pretty well, isn't it? So there you go. You're listening to Lock It In with Cam Rogers right here on Believe. Plenty of more content to come here as we wrap up the hour with you. Coming up next, my best bets for this week's PGA Tour event. It's going to be a fun one. The Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba, my outright selection, some top 10 and top 20 plays for you coming up on the other side. Again, Cam Rogers with you. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 99 and on Instagram at Mr. Rogers 98. This is Lock It In. Keep it right here on the program. Welcome back to Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Let's talk about my best bets for this week's PGA Tour event, the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. My outright selection here this week, Emiliano Grillo. He is my pick to win. He's going to win at some point this fall. Fifth in strokes gained past Palum. Over the last 24 rounds, that is a very unique surface. I think that history there matters a lot this week. Eighth in greens in regulation gained over the last 24 rounds as well. Three top 15s at this event over the last five years. Fourth at the Zozo Championship. Fifth at the Sanderson Farms. What else do I need to tell you? Emiliano Grillo is my pick to win this week. Top 10 for you, Aaron Wise, sixth at the CJ Cup recently, which featured a pretty darn good field. Three top 15s in this event over the last five years, including a runner-up in 2020. Top 10 driver of the golf ball over the last 24 rounds as well. Top 10 for Billy Horschel, loves past Palm Greens, number one in this field over the last 24 rounds, seventh. In strokes gained, T to green over the last 24 rounds as well. Plays well on shorter golf courses. Fifth here in 2020, eighth in 2019. So I like Billy Horschel for a top 10. Top 20 as well for Brendan Todd. He won here in 2019, 11th last year, eighth the year prior, ninth at the Fortinet Championship, seventh at the CJ Cup. He'll never wow you with his ball striking, but he's been so darn consistent with his putter that he can really pop anywhere on the PGA Tour, but certainly on shorter golf courses. So Brendan Todd for a top 20 this week. My best bets for the PGA Tour this week right here on Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. I will talk to you next week with more NFL predictions, more golf analysis. Until then, enjoy the golf. 
Enjoy the NFL football here this weekend. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 99. Continue the conversation and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.